Hello everyone. I'm Pastor D and this is Devos with D and welcome back. I am so glad that you're here. Whether you're viewing me on YouTube or Facebook or you're listening to me on Spotify, listening to a podcast, I am so glad that you joined me because I'm going to tell you right now and you probably say, Pastor D, what are you going to tell me? I guarantee that the lessons that are coming up these next four weeks you are going to learn something fascinating about the true and the living God. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions in a few minutes, and we're going to nail this thing down. But first, let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for today's lesson. I just adore you, and we're here because we want to be here. We're here because we have listening ears, and we want to hear your word. We're excited about what you have in store for us, and we're especially excited to learn more about you. So we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name for your blessing upon this lesson. Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you excited? I haven't even told you what we're going to be doing. Well, we're going to be in a series called The Names of God. And of course, um, I can't cover every name, but we're going to cover at least four names of God. So four weeks in the names of God is going to be exciting. But before I actually dive into that, I want to share a word from the Lord that he gave me for you. And the word was begin again, begin again. What is the Lord saying to us? He's saying that if you recently, because of all this COVID disturbance, lost your business and you just saw it kind of slip right through your hands, God is saying to you, don't give up, begin again. If you just recently signed divorce papers and you're saying, well, the marriage is over, I don't know what to do now. My husband didn't want me. My wife didn't want me. The Lord says, pick up those shattered pieces, walk with him, and begin again. You may say, I've got a child who is not listening to me, so rebellious. When I tell him he or she to do something, they don't want to do it. They're rebelling against the authority that is in the household. The Lord said, lay that issue at his feet. Look at your children through his eyes and begin again. So I just wanted to share that word with you because I believe that word is not only for you, it's for me. That there may be areas of my life where I need to begin again and God will help us begin again. I told you a few moments ago that I was going to ask you a couple of questions. Well, here's the first question. Do you want to know God better? Well, I don't know about you, but I have been saved for over 20 years. And I don't think that I've covered everything that, they, that I could cover about God. I want to know him better. So each and every day I want to be striving to find out more about our God, our Father, which art in heaven. I want to find out more because that draws me closer to him my finding out more about him. So the second question is, have you ever felt like you were being watched? You said, whoa, this is kind of spooky. Nope, not spooky. Have you ever felt like you've been watched? You know, there's a lot of CCTV, 
closed circuit TV. When I worked in the hospital, I worked in surgery. I worked in operating rooms. And each of those operating room suites had a camera, a camera to look down on the surgery and then a camera where you could watch the people in the room and see what they were doing. So I was being watched. There are traffic cams. Unfortunately, they catch us when maybe we're going through a red light when we shouldn't be. But traffic cams spot cars that are doing things or spot things that are going on that shouldn't be going on. Or they see just the normal traffic pattern. Then there's monitoring going on in our department stores and our grocery stores. We are constantly being watched. But what we're going to do is focus on one of the names of God that shows that God is watchful. Isn't that interesting? God is watchful. So the names of God, how many are there? Well, as I was studying this and researching, some people said there were seven names of God. Others said there were 20 or 100. And then I even saw one person that said there are a thousand names of God. Well, I can't cover a thousand and I don't know how many there are, but we will again be covering four of those names. What do the names mean? They describe his character and how he relates to us. So see, it's a, it's a broad thing that we're going to be digging into. We're going to really see how uh, God's character is and how he wants to relate to us. Because sometimes we don't let him relate in the ways that he wants to relate to us. And then why are there so many names for God? It's because God is ineffable. You said, what is that word ineffable? It means God is too great. God is too extreme. God is too other to be expressed or described in words. Yeah, God's awesome. That's the term that we should use for just God because God is awesome. He's stupendous. He's marvelous. He's beyond our capabilities to describe him. That's why we have to use so many words too describe him. So we're going to be in the book of Genesis because this is the root of the scriptures that we need to dig into to describe the name of God that we're going to study tonight. So we're going to be in Genesis 16 verses 1 through 13 in the New Living Translation. Are you ready? Come on and read with me. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, and let me just stop here for a moment. Sarai was Sarah's formal name before God changed her name, and Abram was Abraham's formal name before he ch God changed a Abram's name to Abraham. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal or Sarai's proposal. And 
I, I have a lot to say and a lot that I could say about just those passages right there, but I'm not going to get into that. You can study that further yourself. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as his wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had been settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant. She treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Then the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cries of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man and as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Therefore, Hagar used another name or I should say thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? Isn't that good? I just love reading the scriptures. The Old Testament is so exciting. There is so much illustrated in the Old Testament. Good examples for us. So out of those passages of scriptures, this is what jumped out at me. The first thing was God sought her out miraculously. She was in the land of Canaan. Here she is running away. She's pregnant. I'm sure she didn't bring any snacks with her or any water. Luckily, there she is by this little place where there is water um, right there at Shur. She was in dire straits. So she needed help. She didn't know where she was going. It's desert out there. There's nothing. Where is she going? God called her by name. That's the second thing. God called her by name. Even when others may call you out of your name. I'm sure Sarah had a few choice words for Hagar. But that wasn't her name. Maybe she called her slave. Maybe she called her, hey, you Egyptian. You know how people call you out of your name. 
but God called her by her name. The third thing is God met her need. God met her need. He paid attention to her cries. He comforted her. He turned her feet homeward toward the path of duty because she had a duty. You know, slaves, when they ran away, they could, you know, they could kill you. They could execute you for running away. So she could have got a stiff punishment for that. But the Lord sent her back, then gave her spectacular prophecies of her unborn son. That land, ancient Canaan, was situated in the territory of the southern Levant, which today encompasses Israel, the West Bank, Gaza, Jordan, and the southern portions of Syria and Lebanon. It also had other names like Palestine and the Holy Land. But Canaan was the earliest known name for that particular area that Hagar was in. Let's look at what the word of God says to us about what Hagar said, the God who sees. 1 Peter 5, 7 in the Passion Translation says this, Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. God wants to care for us. And he doesn't want us just running off, you know, doing any which thing that we want to do under duress. He wants us to run into his loving arms and he wants to bring comfort to us. Psalm 121 verses 2 through 5 in the NIV. And I'm going to be reading portions of verses 2 through 5. I may not read all of the verse. So you may see the verse posted and you may see that I'm kind of skipping around. Listen to this. He, he meaning God, will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. You may say, well, that passage said Israel. They were the chosen people, but now we are God's people. We are his children through Jesus Christ. So if he watched over Israel and we as our are his children, he will watch over us. Do you hear me? I want you to know it today. I want you to grab a hold to that. Hold tight to it. God will watch over us. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, he will. I don't care what it looks like. So let's deep dive into who Hagar was really talking about. She said the God who sees. And his name is El Roe. El Roe. And we're going to break that down. First, let's look at that word El. Many names or many of God's names, include the word El. El comes from a root word meaning might and strength and power. And people, you know, scholars say it's the shortened form of Elohim. Elohim was the creator, or that name indicates that he is the creator of all things. And it's used 34 times. Elohim is used 34 times in Genesis alone. They believe it's from the Ugaritic term for God. 
So, Ugaritic, what's that? Ugarit was a magnificent ancient port city in Syria known for its trade that eventually fell under the Hittite domination. So, yes, they called God El. And others use that term El. It appears 250, 250 times in the Tanakh. What is the Tanakh? Tanakh is the Hebrew Bible. And it's an acronym for the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. The T of Tanakh is the Torah, which is the first five books. And then the N is for Nevi'im, which are the prophets like Joshua, Judges, Kings, Samuel, etc., and the rest of the prophets. And then the K stands for the Ketavim, which are writings. That's like Psalms, Proverbs, Job, the Song of Solomon, Ruth, and, and then Daniel and some of the other prophets. So that's the Torah. It's the Hebrew Bible. So what is Ro'i? We looked at L. Now what's Ro'i? Ro'i, R-O-I. Ro'i in the original Hebrew is translated as shepherd or as seeing looking, or gazing. When we feel invisible and forgotten by everyone else, God witnesses our struggles and comes alongside to help us. Hallelujah. Yes, he does. Hallelujah. Let's look at Exodus 3, 7 to 8. Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 to 8. And I'm not going to read that. I'm just going to kind of give you a synopsis. God was speaking to Moses and he spoke to him through something magnificent, like a burning bush that didn't get consumed from the fire. And he told him that I'm going to send you to, your, to my people. I saw what was happening to them, how hard the taskmasters were against them. I heard their cries and I came down. So God saw what was happening and he came down. Isn't that delicious? That is one of my favorite passages that God sees what's happening and then he could, he'll come down. Glory to God. But you know what? We have him here with us through the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is here to guide us, to lead us, to come alongside, to help us. So God is here with us and he sees. Let's look at Matthew 6, 26 in the New Living Translation. What does it say there? It says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in a barn. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they? And the answer to that is yes, we are more valuable to him. So, El Roi. How are there examples of this that God sees in the New Testament? Because a lot of people want to discount the Old Testament. But the Old Testament was a type and a shadow. And we need both the Old and the New together. In the New Testament, God healed lepers. You said, wait a minute. I remember God being in the New Testament. Isn't that Jesus? Jesus is God. God healed lepers, blind men, 
and the demon possessed like the maniac of Gadara. He spoke with an outcast Samaritan woman. He devoted time for tax collectors like Matthew, who was one of his apostles or one of his disciples. He devoted time to prostitutes and those who mourned like the widow of name. He literally raised her son up off a funeral pyre. He saw the situation of the weak and the marginalized, and then he intervened in his life, in their lives. So God sees, and not only does he see and say, oh, oh, sorry that that's happening to you. God will intervene. So let's recap a little bit. El Roi, E-L, and then R-O-I, El Roi. It is the God who sees, the all-seeing God, the God of seeing, the God of vision. When I was reading the Biblia Todo, it said this, besides this name illustrating that God is a person who the human can relate to, it illustrates his omniscience, all-knowing and omnipresence, that he's everywhere at the same time. When we talk about God's omniscience, we are referring not just to the fact that he knows it all, but that he perceives all things we have in our hearts. He knows when we are saddened. He knows when we are joyful. He knows when we are confident, and he knows when we are frightened. He knows when we are cheerful, and he knows when we are disheartened or downtrodden. He knows when we are optimistic or full of pessimism, and he knows everything about us. He never, ever forsakes us. El Roi occurs only once in scripture, there in Genesis 16. He sees you as an individual he knows you specifically. He sees our distress. He sees how we're treated. And then he'll bring comfort and direction. So you say, isn't it kind of creepy that God is watching? No, I don't think so. But let me, let me tell you why I don't think so. God is not watching because he wants to catch us in mistakes, nor to catch us in some sin. He already knows our circumstances past, present, and future. He is watching to take care of us just like a parent would. God never slumbers or sleeps. He never misses a millisecond of what is happening on the earth. He is watching for those who are totally committed to him so he can strengthen their hearts as they serve him. Remember, he that watches over you neither slumbers nor sleeps. And he told us, those that are weak say we are strong in him. Our God is there. Our El Roi sees us. Let's look at a scripture in Nahum, Nahum 1 and 7 in the King James Version. 
And it says this. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust him. I want to read this in the Message Bible. Same verse, Nahum 1-7, but we're going to read it out of the Message. God is good, a hiding place in tough times. He recognizes and welcomes anyone looking for help, no matter how desperate the situation. Aren't you glad of that? I don't care how terrible, how destructive, how just whatever wreaks total havoc. God is there in the midst of that trouble and he will bring you out. He will bring you over. He will bring you through. God is with us and he's for us. Hallelujah. Listen to this quote and then I'm done. He said, wow, <laughs> that was a short one, Pastor D, because I know how you can go on. No, I want you to savor the fact that our God sees. Our El Rohi sees us and watches over us and is there for us and will help us. Listen to this final quote from Stephen Altrogi. Jesus knows us fully. He knows every nook and cranny of us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he also knows suffering on an intense personal level. He meets us in our downcast state and then he pours out his grace upon us. Hallelujah. Can't you just, don't you just want to praise him when you hear stuff like that? I know I do. I am so glad that our God will pour out his grace upon us. His grace, as he told Paul, is sufficient for us. So today, and every day this week, and the upcoming week, just continue to just meditate on the fact that your El Rohi sees you. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise. You are the God who sees. You are the great God. And we are so thankful that we are not just roaming through the world and going through life and you don't know what's happening to us. You know it before it happens. You know about our past and you are with us in the present. Lord, I just ask you to be with your people, to uplift them, to strengthen them, encourage them. And Lord, I just give you all the thanks and honor and glory that we could study these lessons and learn more about you. In your son's name, amen.